You are listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. So I'd like to start in an unusual place as we talk about Christmas, because there's a lot of uh, great things in the Christmas story. And we talk about the manger, and we talk about Mary and Joseph, and we talk about the Magi, and we talk about all these things. But there's two people in the Christmas story that oftentimes we don't talk about. And so I want to take us to Luke, Matthew and Luke, kind of the two longest accounts of the birth of Jesus. And instead of starting where we normally start in Luke chapter two, I'd like for us to start in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse five. I'm going to read a few verses for us and then we'll dig around and I pray that the Lord will encourage us. This is what it says, Luke chapter one, starting in verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. That's pretty amazing. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time came for the burnt, when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, as you or I would be, and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's what I'm hoping for all of us. Verse 18, I love this. I don't need this in the message, but just wanted to put it in there because it is, um, it's a learning curve for all of us as men. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's the way you want to say that, by the way, just to all the men when you get old. It's very politically correct. I'm old. Another translation says she's advanced in years. I'm old. She's advanced. So that's just a lesson for another day. But there's so much power in this text. And, and here's where it hinges, because you have Zechariah and you have Elizabeth and really the, the undertone of their story is with their waiting on God, praying and asking God in the day that would have been looked down upon because they didn't have a child, but they were praying and asking the Lord, Lord, would you give us a child? Lord, would you give us a child? And, and, and that prayer hadn't been answered and they're old now. And so you see all of this waiting in the text. And I don't know about you, but maybe as we step into the Christmas season, uh, you can relate to that. 
maybe more in 2020 than ever before, you know what it's like to wait. And as we unpack and dig around over this next month in the Christmas story, I believe what you'll find to be true is the Christmas story is saturated in this idea of waiting on God. Now, I don't like to wait personally. Anybody out there, you just enjoy it. That's like part of this spiritual gifting for you. I hate waiting. One of my friends um, said this. He said, we're a generation that burns our mouths on hot pockets, which really resonated with me. Like I'm, I, I, wanna, I wanna cook a quick meal. Like I, I don't have the time to cook a full meal. So I'm gonna just stick a hot pocket in the microwave, but then I don't wanna wait for it to calm down. So I'd just rather eat it real quick and burn the roof of my mouth. That's kind of us in a nutshell. We don't like to wait. But one of the powerful things is understanding what is happening in the waiting. And in Luke chapter one, yes, Zechariah and Elizabeth are waiting, but as we start uh, journeying into the Christmas season, I think it's important to know that Jesus came into the world in a season of great waiting. You see, as the Old Testament comes to a close in a four chapter book called Malachi in your Bible and in my Bible, we simply turn one page. There's a blank page that says New Testament on it. And then we flip the page and we begin reading Matthew's account of the genealogy of Jesus. This is such great news. Jesus, God has done what he promised he would do all throughout the Old Testament there in one page, in one turning, in one millisecond, it happened. But historically, this isn't the way that it played out. See, as Malachi came to a close, what happened is what the theologians refer to as the intertestamental period, which means for 400 years, as far as we know, we have nothing from Almighty God. He's not speaking through any prophets. He hasn't raised up any preachers. He's not leading cloud by day, fire by night. As far as we can tell in my Bible, in your Bible, there's no verses going for four centuries, God, what were you doing? You promised us as a people that you would send the Messiah and we have great expectation that he's coming. And now Malachi closes. And what do we do now? For hundred years? of where is God? And imagine what the people must have thought if you were in that generation and, and the curtain closes on the Old Testament and here you are and, and in your prayer and in you asking God and in you trying to relate to God, your thought would just be, what happened? Where, where did you go? You were leading all throughout the prophets. You were leading, you were raising up preachers. You were shepherding us and protecting us. And then all of a sudden, just absolutely, as far as we know, nothing from God. And think about what they must have felt, right? It's one thing to wait for a year. We wouldn't be good at that. It's another thing to wait for a decade. And it's another thing to wait for a century. And hope begins to wane in the waiting, doesn't it? Because you begin to think, okay, well, maybe tomorrow's gonna be the day. Well, after so many, maybe tomorrow's gonna be the day, the enemy begins to have a playground with your mind and go, no, yesterday wasn't the day and tomorrow's not gonna be the day. And for 400 years of days, they didn't have any forward progress on the promises of old. 
What must they have done? What, what was God doing in this time? Have, have, have we crossed over a line? Was, was there a sin somewhere in the ground? And I know we turned our backs from him. I know he was good on us. And then we thought we could do better ourselves. I know we did so much. What was the straw kind of that broke his back? Where was the line? And we crossed over and now we can't go back because he just shut us out or all of his promises now void for our life. This must have been what they thought. And so that's the precursor to Emmanuel coming from heaven to planet earth. 400 years of nothing. I think about it, you know, in the old days, you would have to call somebody if you uh, wanted to uh, ask them out. One of my favorite things in the Christmas season is everybody has a Christmas crush. Even if you're like, this isn't gonna work out, you're like, well, it'll do for a month, you know? Uh, somebody I can go buy an expensive Starbucks drink with and somebody we can do all this and whatever, whatever. And I, I can remember back in the day, you would have to actually call because there were no text messages. You could only play snake on your phone at the time and you would call them. And then if they didn't answer, you just had to wait for the phone to ring back. That, that was a brutal stretch there, you know? And now you text and you can send this long text, by the way, here's just a, a piece of advice. If you have to scroll, it's too long for a text. And, and you send this long text. And what I've realized now is it's not even when you don't get a response, that's the worst. What's the worst is when you start seeing a response, right? You get bubbles and then all of a sudden no bubbles. And you're like, oh, they thought about responding. Nothing, I'm just waiting here. I'm waiting here. I'm waiting here. We as a people don't like to wait. And so in this season of waiting, these people must have thought all throughout the Old Testament, here's God, he's writing, he's writing, he's writing, he's writing, he's leading. We've, we've got all these prophets and now all of a sudden we have nothing. And so I wanna ask the question, what was happening during that 400 years? Now, my Bible doesn't have any extra pages. I don't have any Bible verses from those 400 years, but our story is anchored in history. It's a reality, it's not a fairy tale. So we can go back through the history books to find out what God was doing during that time. And I I just wanna pull our attention to a few things. One, throughout a lot of the Old Testament, you see Babylonia in power, right? And then Persia takes over and, and they're reigning. And so that's kind of as the Old Testament closes, that's who's reigning, that's, that, that's who's in power. And during these 400 years, there's, there's, a, there's a man by the name of Philip of Macedon who most of us don't know. I didn't know, I don't know anything about him. He's from Greece and he begins to rise in power. Mind you, Persia is leading everything right now. Well, Philip of Macedon, nobody really knows him, but most of us know his son. He has a son named Alex. You might know of him by uh, the name that you read in your history books, which is Alexander the Great. I doubt he really ever went by Alex. Who would if your name was Alexander the Great? You might as well get all that in there. Well, Alexander the Great was the greatest military mind still to this day in history, no question. And he takes over the Persians. Now Greece is running things, okay? He lives to be 30 some odd years old. And right before he dies, as he's reigning and, and ruling over his kingdom, conquering all of the known universe. One of his last ideas is, I want the entire known universe to speak one language so that when I make a decision, when I wanna get word out, I don't have to bank on everybody translating it to everybody that's in areas that I've conquered. I just want to speak and everybody understands it. So that that's happening during the 400 years where we've said, God, what are you doing? We can't see what you're doing. Well, Alexander the Great is being raised up and taking power and instituting a language which is known as Koine Greek. 
And without that language, the Bible you hold in your hands right now, you most likely don't have. Because all of our New Testament was written in the language of Koine Greek. So as you think, God, where were you? What were you doing? I, with my eyeballs, I don't understand. I can't see what you're doing. He's going, oh, I'm orchestrating all of history. I'm raising a guy up so that when I send my son into the world, people are gonna record the message and the message is gonna go out to the world and everybody's gonna be able to understand it because I raised up a leader who instituted a common language. The, the Roman Empire conquers uh, Greece and begins to take over. And a couple of things they do, one of them name is Pax Romana, which is simply the Roman peace. They gave military rule to the known world so that people would feel safe to travel. And they, they, they also uh, implemented these new road systems and travel systems by land and by sea. So all during these 400 years where we wonder, God, what were you doing? We can't see you. We didn't hear anything from you. He's orchestrating. He's going, no, my, my son, about to come to planet earth. And when he does, I'm creating things so that everybody will understand it. And so that people like the apostle Paul, have you heard of him? He can take the words and he can travel on these roads that are being protected by the Roman empire. And he can get everywhere in the known world so that every single person on planet earth can know that Emmanuel is true. How beautiful is that? So we flip our page now and we go to the earliest accounts in the New Testament, Luke. And the first people that we hear who get a word from God are not Mary and Joseph, but Zechariah. Imagine 400 years culminates and ends with the angel of the Lord coming to Zechariah. And do you know what Zechariah's name means? His name means God remembers. 400 years of nothing from heaven, as far as we know. And God shows up, sends the angel of the Lord to a man whose name means, I know it's been 400 years, but I remember. His wife's name is Elizabeth and her name means God's promise, God's oath, God's covenant. So he, he's announcing the angel to a couple whose name literally means God remembers God's covenant. That's, that, that, that's the expectation. That's Advent. That's where we are. The story of Christmas boiled down into a nutshell is God keeps his promises. He, he did in this day and he will for you. He's never dropped the ball. He's never missed a call. He's never done something he wished he could take back. He's never been so busy figuring out something that he missed you over here while you were doing your thing. Never one time has God failed. And today won't be the day he starts and you won't be the person that he starts with. This is the hope of the Christmas season. So at the end of the day, what do you do when you feel like his voice is silent? We trust that his hands are active. His ability to work does not hinge on my perception of him working. He is God Almighty and paints on a bigger canvas than I can imagine. This is who he is. So the people in this day 
we're waiting on the Messiah to arrive. And in our day, we're waiting on the Messiah to return. And I believe we can learn a few things from this. If you are taking notes, here's the first point. God works while we wait. We saw that all throughout this story. He's raising up people like Alexander the Great, man. He's a great leader. He's, he's, the, he's a great leader of Greece. No, he's God's guy to accomplish God's purpose on planet earth. He uses anybody and everybody to accomplish his will. So while we were wondering and what's going on and where is God and has, has he vanished? Is he even real? Is God even real? Where did he go? God's working in the waiting. He always is. I love this text from Isaiah chapter 64. It says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, that's amazing. We didn't know what you were doing, but you did awesome things. You came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you. Then look at this. Don't miss this text. Grab this with everything you have. Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. While I wait, God works. This is not a, a, a nice little Christian sentiment to get you through a hard season. This is anchored in the unchanging word of God. He promises us, if you wait on me, I'll work for you. If you wait on me, if you're patient, if you have expectation, if you don't give up, if you don't cash out, if you just keep following me, I promise you, you may not see what I'm doing. You may even be tempted to think I'm not doing anything at all, but all the while I'm orchestrating things for my glory and for your good. God works while we wait. I love that in Jennifer's story, even earlier, she referenced the song Waymaker, which has been an anthem throughout this entire 2020 year. And the lyrics that I believe grabbed our hearts were, even when I don't see it, and even when I don't feel it, you're working. So grab hold of that and cling to that truth. It doesn't mean your circumstances change in a minute. It doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow to a, to a bed full of roses. It just means that while you wait, Okay, while you go home for Christmas once again this year and you only have one seat in your reservation. While, while you wait one more year, it's just you and your spouse and you thought this year was gonna be the year that the baby was gonna come into the story. We all have waiting and I don't wanna be little waiting, but I wanna encourage you. We have a promise keeping God. And while you wait, heaven works. He has infinite wisdom. He has all the information that could ever be known. He's the alpha, the scripture says in the Omega. So he stands at the end and makes decisions about now where we stand in the now and go with all the information we have, we don't know why God, you're not doing this. And God's going, oh, that's because you don't have all the information yet. There's a lot of things you don't understand yet. And I'm navigating all those pieces to make sure what we do isn't fast, but is right and is good and is noble. Lamentations 3.25 says this, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks after him. You have to know today that we are serving a God who is other 
than us. It's not a better version of you, bigger version of you, cleaner version of you. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts is what Isaiah says. So when you can't hear his voice speaking, trust that his hands are working. Number two, who we become while we wait is as important as what we're waiting for. Now, I love this, okay? Just put all this together. In Luke chapter one, what did we read about Zechariah and Elizabeth? They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's command and decrees blamelessly. Now, you have to put that now in the context of they're old, okay? So we know when Jesus came, they were old. When John the Baptist was born, they were old. But before that, they were living in the 400 years of silence. You wonder, what was that generation? Who was that generation? Well, they were part of it. And all throughout that, you know what they were doing? They were becoming something. They were becoming something. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Even when looking across the horizon, it made no sense to stick with God. They decided to. You can become something while you wait. God might be preparing you for what is next. And he wants to do something in you during your waiting. The, the thing that's been stirring in my heart all week this week is when we wait, it feels like we're, we're, in this, we're in this big zone of silence and words kind of bounce off and it's just the emptiness of the silence. And the emptiness of the silence for me personally is a playground for the enemy. It's where he can convince me of things that aren't true. It's where, you know, when you call somebody, like go back to your Christmas crush and you call them and they don't answer you. And then in four minutes, you've convinced yourself, they hate me. They, I don't know why they haven't called me back yet. They, I must've said something wrong. I must've done something wrong. And the enemy begins to sabotage the emptiness of the silence. And he does that in our lives. In the waiting where it feels empty, he begins to whisper to us, it's where sin even became in our story. In Genesis chapter three, the, the, the temptation from the enemy was, oh, uh, did God really say that? Let me just fill this silence here with the temptation to get you to doubt. And that's what he does for all of us. Our job is to fill the silence with things that reinforce our trust in God and remind us of the promises of God. That's what we do in the silence. Here's a couple of quick ways, practical ways you can do that. If you ever ask the question, okay, I kind of know that God's working in the waiting, but what's my job? What's my role in the waiting? Here's a couple of things. One, this is crazy. When the angel appears to Zechariah, what does he say? He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Then what? Your prayer has been heard. So 400 years, nothing from God as far as we know. All we know though is Zechariah must've kept praying. Your prayer's been heard. Well, when did you hear my prayer? In the season where it didn't feel like I heard anything from you, I know now and trust that you still heard from me. I'm gonna keep praying, keep sowing seeds of faith. So what do you do in the seasons of silence? You pray. Imagine that, if you just did that. I'm waiting again this Thanksgiving. Um, the, the, the COVID season has made this all the much more hard and now I'm isolated and alone and I thought it was gonna be this way, but it's actually this way and I'm, I'm so ready for this to be over. What do I do in the waiting? You pray, not as your last resort, but as your first option, you pray. You worship your way through the waiting, number two. 
Number three, you cling to his word. Psalm 130, I love this. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Look here. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. In your season of waiting, cling to God's word. And lastly, anchor yourself in a community that will fight for God's promises in your life when you want to bail. Get people around you that can call the enemy a liar when you're not sure he is lying. Get people that are in your crew that will fill up the silence for you when you feel like I'm too tired to put anything into the silence. You guys do it for me. No, that's not true about who I am. That's not why I'm here. That's not my future. Okay, good. Now, enemy, you don't just have to take me out. You got to take me and the six of them out. Good luck. Find some community that will reinforce your trust in almighty God. And lastly, we'll close with this. Key to remember, while we wait on God, we wait with God. I love that we sang this song right before I came up, Grace of God with us. The power of Emmanuel at Christmas is the essence of what Christmas is all about. That word, Emmanuel, God with us, the Imanu with us, El from Elohim, God literally translated the with us God. How powerful is that? So you have to understand that while you wait on God, you wait with God. This is the power of Emmanuel. So I love in Matthew's gospel, that's where we read that. It says in verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet back in Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Spurgeon about this text says, the name Emmanuel is eternity's sonnet. It's heaven's hallelujah. It's the shout of the glorified and the song of the redeemed. The chorus of angels is what it is. John Wesley's last words before he died were, the best of all is that God is with us. The power of this is enough to anchor you no matter how long your season of waiting has been. Because the enemy's primary way to get us to cash in is to convince us that God isn't working or worse, isn't even real. And two, you're by yourself. If the enemy had a slogan for 2020, that's what it would be. You're by yourself. You're by yourself. Isolated, insulated, all alone. That's you. Not for those who have put hope in the Lord. Because Jesus says, I, my name is the with us God. And so in this day, I love this. Matthew chapter one begins with this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So the long awaited arrival of King Jesus, Emmanuel. But you know what the last verse in Matthew chapter 28 says? I will be 
with you always, even until the end of the age. The bookends of the gospel of Matthew, the account of Jesus, the Messiah arriving on planet earth begins and ends with a simple statement. I am with you. In the waiting, when you can see me and when you can't, when you're aware of what I'm doing and when you're not, when your tank is full and when you're running out of gas, I, almighty God, am the with you God. That's who I am. Lastly, this verse that a lot of us know from Isaiah chapter 40 says this, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. So, so in context, the, the people of God had cashed in on God and said, look, you let us, we had a good season, but we think we can do it better than you. We've, we've turned our backs. Now they're trying to figure out how do we reconcile all of that? And they're wondering, God, do you even still see us? Do you know us? We know that you're real now. We've seen you come through, but we're wondering, God, do you even know we're here? Because we can't keep doing this. It's as if my cause isn't even seen by you anymore. And I'm over here on an island going, hey, God, do you even see us down here anymore? And so many of us in 2020 are right at that place where you're shooting a flare gun up at heaven going, Jesus, can you even see me anymore? Because it's been let down after let down after waiting after let down after failure after not like I planned it the entire year. Jesus, can you even see us anymore? And listen to what Isaiah's response is. He says this, do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Anybody want to say amen? He, our God, will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. Listen to this. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. So yeah, 2020 has been a hard year, but maybe we could say it this way, 2020 has been a strengthening year. Even, listen, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, okay, that, that word hope, maybe your translation there says, wait, those who wait upon the Lord, those who hope in the Lord. The Hebrew word there is kiva. It means both things. It means to live in the tension of endurance. Hey, how long are we going to keep going? It seems possible we could just cash in. That might even make sense because I can't see what God's doing. I don't know that he's doing anything, but this word kiva, to hope, to wait means I don't have to be able to see what God's doing to trust God. He's never failed and he won't start now. So it's completely foggy and I can't see how he could work his promises out in my life right now, but I know him. So I'm going one foot after the other. I'm waiting upon my God. That's what we're called to do. And what will his response be? Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. That's the promise 
from Almighty God. You're not gonna get strong by bailing and trying to come up with a quick scheme to figure everything in your life out. You're gonna get strong by waiting on Almighty God who has all the information and sees the beginning from the end to go, no, 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 not that way. It might be fast, but it's not right. We're gonna wait for this way, because in this way, I get the glory and you're gonna get the good. This is our King. So wait well, church. And as Advent starts and we roll into this season for 2020, please don't believe the lie that you're by yourself. And let all the noise around us fade away so that we can focus on what's true. And what's true is that we have a promise-making, promise-keeping God who's never failed and won't start now. You can be confident in Him. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.